all-time favorites. This is Hope Alive Radio, shaping minds for a better future. Turn it on. Turn it up. The first Wednesday of the year, and I am live in studio with Grace Moshesh. Very happy that you decided to join us today and grace us with your presence, Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I had the honor and pleasure of listening to you talk on a podcast today with our buddy witness, and you said some really deep things. What you don't know, I don't know if you do, if you listen to the previous show, I quoted you. I couldn't hear. Did you quote me? Did yeah, you quote me? I wow. quoted some awesome things that you Coach. were saying. And yeah. Okay, now we'll get to that. <laughs> so today, Grace is the author of The Forgiving Woman. And we'll get a bit into your book, but not as deep as you're going to go on the book nook. Eh? Because, look, I'm not as talented when it comes to reviewing books like the sister you just met, Moiponi. Yes. So you, you will get an opportunity. But... The year is starting, and one of the things that we have, one of the passions that we have here is to shape minds for a better future. It's actually the theme of the radio station, and we want to learn from people like you, people who have a journey that inspires us, people that have content that inspires us, people that have written books that will inspire us. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> that is such a beautiful intro. That is, is it? That's, that's a wonderful intro. Thank you so much for having me, Coach. Mm. So I'm, I'm also now stuck with the title of Coach. Is it? So, so Ndando when, has... When did has, it develop? Um, over the past three days. Oh. <laughs> over the past three days, um, it developed. And yeah, I think you've lived up to it as well. So yeah. Oh, Definitely. it's growing on you. It's growing on me. Because I was just like, yes, his name is Ndando, but I feel comfortable to call him coach. Is it? Yeah, I think I feel comfortable to call you coach if you don't mind. Don't make me blush. We are live. Oh, we are no <laughs> So if you're joining it's us, we are going live on Facebook and we would love to hear from you. But thank you. Thank you for your, the courage to write the book. It's not easy to get on the project, a book project. I know because I've written one. So give us a bit for someone who doesn't know you. If they were to understand who Grace is, what would they need to know about you to get who you are and how you got here? What do you think makes up your story? That's a very good question. And um, I appreciate you posing it. Mm -hmm. I think if I were to sum it up, I would say that Grace is a believer. Grace is an advocate of hope. But first and foremost, before she's all those things, she is a child of God. Mm -hmm. um, she's a love of Christ, and she's anchored by her faith. Grace would not be who she is without her faith, you know, without mm. her salvation, without her identity being found in Christ. Mm. I think everything else has just stemmed from that and grown and and just it's been birthed through that identity that mm. I found in Christ. And I think that's one of the best decisions that I've ever made. That was a boss move. Um, boss move. That okay. was a boss move. Boss move. You know? I see producer is super <laughs> excited when you say boss move. One of his mentors loves that tech. Really? <laughs> I love it. I love it too. So I, I, I think it was a boss move from my side because... 
I got to experience a lot, and that's where I actually get my courage from, mm. to say that you, I, I am equipped, I have what it takes to do what my assignment requires for me to do. Mm. And, and yeah, so I'm just a girl on a mission. I'm a girl that loves the Lord, and I just want to spread hope. Why did you write a book on forgiveness? Because you could have written a book on anything, literally. Mm. Why forgiveness? So I could have written a book on absolutely anything, and forgiveness was not my first choice. Mm. Let's be honest. This is, this is safe space, right? Very safe space. Safe space, okay. So the honesty is I wanted to, I mean, when I felt led to write the book, I thought, okay, let me, let me search scriptures on praise and worship and prayer. <laughs> you know, all the fun topics. I mean, we all, most of us love to pray. Mm. Most of us love to worship. You know, there's just so much good music out mm. there that connects us to the Lord and makes us feel great. Mm. But, um, you know, topics like, and forgiveness and bitterness and resentment and how we need to get rid of that. Mm. Those are not fun topics to listen to, mm. even in a sermon, let alone having to write on it. So it was not my first choice. I actually mm. wrestled with the Lord when I, when I felt the leading to do it. Mm. And I said, God, I'm not qualified to write on this thing because I'm not a forgiving woman. <laughs> okay. I was like, no, I mean, I was not. I didn't, no, 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 that's not who I was. I could hold grudges, bitterness, resentment, um, regret, condemnation. Hmm. Condemnation was really big for me. Those are some strong words. Yeah, those were strong, strong words. But I, I, I was dealing with it, and um, I thought I was healed, but I was numb. And someone said this. There's a woman of God that I was listening to on on. Yeah, I was listening to her preaching, and she was just saying, I just forgot her name right now, and she said, I thought I was healed, but I was actually numb. And when she I said I thought I was healed, healed, but I was actually numb. numb. Man, that can throw you back. That can throw you back. When I heard her say that, it described my status, like what the state that I was in. Were you thinking, oh, no, I've forgiven this person, I've forgiven what happened, I've forgiven myself, but you've just numbed yourself. You're not really healed. Did she explain the difference, though, and how you get out of it once you see that you're numb? So she didn't get into it. Mm -hmm. she, she sort of just walked, she just walked through that statement, and then she continued with what she was talking about, but that stood out for me. Mm. And I said, okay, no, this is what I needed to take away from this sermon. Mm. And, and I took it, and I held on to it, and I still sought revelation on it to say, Lord, but just show me more of what you mean by what she said. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's so, a good reflection. Yeah. So if you're joining us, we are going live on Facebook, Hope Alive Radio. We are live on TikTok somewhere. Somewhere, <laughs> yeah. Hope Alive Radio. And I'm with Grace, talking forgiveness, but talking again to entrepreneurs. The things that hold entrepreneurs back and just reflecting on some of the those things. When it comes to 2023, right? I want to ask you, because when you're writing a book, it's sort of there's a business behind it as well. When you reflect on last year, what do you think is your big takeaway in terms of what you learned from the experience of 2023? Now, I was talking to someone who says, yeah, I am so glad that 2023 is over. <laughs> and They were traumatized. And they were traumatized. 
And when I was asking this question, they actually struggled to come up with lessons when they reflect on how they approached the year. Because there's a strategy you applied to how you were going to approach the year. And they hadn't taken the time to reflect on what actually didn't work and why it didn't work. What they tried, why didn't they try one, two other things. So I want to hear from you, when you reflect on the year in general, what do you think is the big lesson for you that you can take to 2024 as we are starting that will make you that next level entrepreneur? So the lesson that I, I hmm. Let me think about this. Did I traumatize you and I you said someone <laughs> didn't know? Yeah. No, no, no. No trauma. But I think you provoked something within me. And um, I don't really share the challenges that I experienced in 2023. Mm -hmm. And that's because I'm a serial optimist. Like I am, you know, just unnecessarily enthusiastic about things. Mm. Um, I'm always looking for just the rainbow, you know. Um, after the rain. I'm just like, okay, the rainbow must come, the rainbow must come. Mm. But sometimes it's not important for us to always look for mm -hmm. the good. You need to also reflect on the not so good, right? Mm. And the first, the first quarter of the year of 2023 mm. was a traumatic one for me. Traumatic, traumatic. So I was in corporate I was working. I won't, I won't mention which company it was. Yeah, you don't um, have to. Yeah, so I was working and, yeah, so a lot happened. A lot of just traumatic events happened. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, you know, having to walk away from that job. Can you give one example, one light one that you can share? For context, I want to understand when you say a lot happened in that job, what do you mean? I think my character was tested. Number one, oh, okay. you know, just just how deep my faith and my sense of integrity mm. um, was, what I was willing to compromise on and what I was not willing to compromise on. And when I saw that, okay, if I stay here, I'm possibly going to lose myself and I'll never find her again. Mm. And if I walk away without a plan B, I'm going to really have to trust that God is God sees me. He's He's Elroy. He sees what's going on, and I feel like He's pushing me into entrepreneurship. So I literally jumped off the ship mm -hmm. while it was sailing, right into the deep waters with no backup plan, with no lifeguard, with no you know life. At what jackets. point during the year was this? This was because I I received the books about a week or two weeks after I left the job. So that was end of April. Okay. End of April. End of April. Now we are like eight months later. Yes. In hindsight. Good decision, bad decision. Best. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. No, you got me. Best. Why? Go Best. deeper. Best. Best decision because... I I was strengthened in the fact that I didn't realize how, you know, how how strong I was until I was forced to be. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was either you you swim or you drown. And mm -hmm. and I'm not a drowner. You know? <laughs> I know. Uh, uh, even if I have to float and paddle and like, you know, do this, I don't know. 
That's how we say it in Kosa. But but yeah, like even if it doesn't look pretty, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drown in that water. I'm gonna make mm. it to the other side and I'm going to survive the experience. But I think in all in all seriousness, mm. I f- I if that situation had not transpired mm. and manifested the way that it did, mm. I wouldn't have realized the entrepreneur in me. I wouldn't have realized the business strategist in me, the business psychologist in me. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't realize that there is something in me that is of such great value that overrides the nine to five promise that I was given, which was wrapped in a bow. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that a nine to five job is demonic at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad space to be in. But if your season of that has come to an end and you forced into a new territory, mm-hmm of being an entrepreneur, being a businesswoman, being someone who's going to really have to work extra hours, even mm. on weekends and not take holidays to get the job done, mm. then that's what, that's what you need to do and that's where you need to be. So if someone is listening and they want to be an entrepreneur and they are in this job, would you still advise them to leave the job without a backup plan as you did? Because that was pretty radical on your part. Is that something that you recommend or there's caution somewhere definitely because i sensed zero caution on your part you were very sure that this is what you want to do and you jump ship i jump ship so we don't i wouldn't i wouldn't advise us to throw caution to the wind and just like you know let it blow away Mm. but i think there's a knowing in every entrepreneur's life if you are an entrepreneur Mm. at birth there is a season in your life where you know that this is the season, mm. whether you have a plan B or not. And even if you don't consciously go out to, to make, this, make this season a reality. Like to go and try that business that you've been thinking of. Yes. So mm-hmm. even if you're not consciously ready to do that, when it is your time, just like when childbirth comes to a mother, whether she's prepared or not, the baby is mm. going to come. Mm-hmm. whether she's just like, hey, no, I'm not ready to, to be a mom today. You know, the baby must just chill for another month. I'm just trying to find myself. It's not going to happen. Nature will not allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. So in every entrepreneur's life, I feel that there is a point and there's, there's a time, there's a season where you know that, you know what, even without that plan B, mm-hmm. everything is pushing me off the ship, off, off the ship. And do I advise people to not have a plan B? No. Um, I would advise people to count the cost, you know, mm-hmm. um, that they have to measure and have to take to have that full experience. But I mean, if, if it's out of your control and you find yourself like myself, you know, in my the situation. The environment is toxic and it's getting you into a bad space mentally. Yes. Right, so that's, that's different. But some people survive even that because they know they don't have a backup plan. When you left corporate, to get into entrepreneurship? How long did it take you to get liquid and stable? So it, so when I left corporate, my main source of income was the book. Mm. And I wasn't even selling the book at like a high cost. <laughs> okay. So people were even saying to me, are you really making profit? Because like we feel like you're giving this book away, you know? Mm. And I think for me, it was just out of obedience to say that when I was, you know, planning to sell the book, I felt it impressed in my heart to sell it for X amount. Mm. And um, I still managed to keep afloat. I still managed to get my, my bills paid. 
but I just knew that I would have to sell more volumes oh, so you of had the read, book. The book was out already. So the book came out a week after I walked away from the job. Oh, okay. So the timing so was quite impeccable. So there was a backup nyana plan. There was the a backup book, nyana. But although it was a risky one, because I'll tell you, books you can write and sell nothing the whole month. Yeah. And bills have to be paid. And you're like, but I have a book. <laughs> like, I actually have a book. Yeah. Guys, why aren't you buying the book? I don't have bread in the house. Just, like, buy two copies, three copies. What's the most radical thing that you did to try and sell the book when you needed to move copies? Radical. Mm. I stayed up until 3 a.m. Doing what? Selling the book. I went to a venue. Huh where they actually accommodate me to promote my book. So I went there. I arrived at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I think, no, on a Saturday. What time was it? I think it was 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm. I was like, hi, guys. You know, I'm here to promote the book. I had my banner. <laughs> I'm that late. I even had heels on, you know. Very sophisticated. Okay. Your sister was there until, like, what? Like but 3 a.m. was up at that time. Were they buying? People were buying. And it's a place where... Um, Wait, what was going on for people to be up and buying at 3 a.m.? So, so Springbok, it was the rugby, it was the oh, rugby final. Oh, yeah, no, now, now it makes sense. And people were up, you know, up and out and about, and we had just won, so the timing was great. People <laughs> were in great spirits. People had consumed spirits, ah, and it was just like... And they were loose with pain. And they so were just like... price was easy. Ow, my price was just like, yes, sissy, we just won two <laughs> copies and three. You are just playing with us. It's such a great day. I mean, I even got someone, I promise you, God is so good. Someone actually said, I want to donate 10 of your books to the Western Cape. Find people, find a church. Uh-huh. I'm going to buy these books. I'm not going to touch them. Just courier them straight to the Western Cape. As long as it's going, they're going to the Western Cape, I'm good. They're going to the, because that's where the person was from. They were saying, mm. we need to promote this book in the Western Cape. I'm going to buy 10 copies, go. And that conversation came about from the 3 a.m. Uh, what promotion. time was it? So you remember, just estimate. I know you won't know it. Accurately. I'm sure it was like quarter to three or something. And this person was just saying, listen, you're doing a great thing. You know, you're I think doing, they just doing... appreciated the heart of a hustler, staying up 3 a.m. selling a book. It's not common. It's, you know... And I've never done it. Haven't you? Yeah, so Your I'm actually impressed listening to you. Oh, yeah, wow. No, business plan. Business plan. <laughs> I'm not invoicing. No sleep. <laughs> business plan, no sleep. Strategy, no sleep. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, even where I was, it wasn't a um, faith-based organization or faith-based type of space. It was a mm -hmm. place where everyone goes, um, whoever you are, you get there, you have, a, you have yourself a good time, but it's a safe space. So mm -hmm. we got there and we, we got into really good conversations. I met people and yeah, just to get someone saying, mm -hmm. listen, I appreciate what you're doing. As you've just said, I'm going to donate 10 books to the Western Cape and as if that was not enough. The same person comes back and says, my sister, can I also donate 10 more books to the Eastern Cape? Okay. And I'm just like... Hello, baby. That was crazy. We are not going to say no. And, and, and that's, how, that's how it worked. All right, so that's how your hustle started. And then yeah. when you get full-time into entrepreneurship, 
what business did you start? Okay. Mm. So the book, amazingly, just became a key. And I started to work with organizations like the U.S. Embassy, and I became a business coach for their entrepreneurs. So okay. they have programs where they support South African entrepreneurs, small mm -hmm. to medium enterprises. And I was introduced to someone, and they said, you know what, we're looking for someone like you who has done this type of work that, they, that you've done and just the background that you have. Mm. And yeah, please join the team and become one of our business coaches. So that's what I started doing, and I had so much passion with that. Oh, and you've grown in coaching from there, because I know you do marketing and you do strategy for entrepreneurs. Yes, I do. Yes, sir, I do. That's an interesting path, because I think it's a touch similar to mine in terms of just being pushed into working with an established organization that's into mentorship and coaching, and then you then just learn and grow from there. I think a part of my journey looks like that as well. When you've experienced coaching different classes of entrepreneurs, starting, established, all of that, what would you say, looking back, with the ones that you've met, one or two key things that holds them back? One or two key things that holds mm. them back is... Entrepreneurs that you see, there's yes. potential here, but they're punching below their weight. Something is holding them back. I would, I would, I would single out one thing, and mm -hmm. it would be imposter syndrome. Okay, explain. Imposter syndrome in the sense that you have a business plan, your business is viable, um, you have the potential to scale, but you have this doubt about do I actually, like who am I to actually think that I can actually make it to mm. where I feel like, you know, I'm being led to go. And you having, I mean, I've seen them having those doubts as I, as I talk to them. And that's when, like, the more aggressive side of grace would come out. <laughs> okay. But aggressive with love. But, I mean, I would say... You don't look like you have that in you. <laughs> I know. Oh, I put it on. I try. And, and, and I think for me it's because I can relate to it. So mm. I can spot it in someone because I've, I've had to, to overcome it myself. Where I'm saying, you're not going to charge this amount. You are mm. way too valuable. You, you're selling yourself short. And if you're going to sell yourself short, people are not going to take you seriously. Put the amount that you know is worth your work. So you see imposter syndrome when it comes to pricing, imposter syndrome when it comes to which deals people will go after. Yes. Which locations they will sell in. Yes. And you're saying people talk themselves. There's that conversation that says, who do you think you are? Yes. And they keep talking themselves out of each of these opportunities. Definitely. And talking themselves down. I've never looked at it as imposter problem. I always just say confidence or self-esteem, but that's a nice take. Well, I think you the, the confidence and the self-esteem is there because it, it, it was sufficient enough to get started. Mm. Now you already started and you, you're moving. And now you see that the goal mm. is very close, right? And then midway, you're saying, oh, no, wait, am I really going there? Can I really make it? But you're already in. No, I've seen it. You're when you say in. that, I remember an example of, I think this was imposter syndrome when I think about it. An author where after a big seminar, we get talking. At the time, my book wasn't out. Mm. I was still writing. We get talking, and I realize, oh, she's got a book. 
And I said, I want to buy the book. She looks at me and thinks, Mm-mm, no way. Takes it back, says no, wow. and walks away. Wow. She sure. was struggling, trying to process. Why? You wrote a book, people should sure. buy it, aren't pay. That's it. Imposter syndrome. And she was probably having a conversation in her mind to say, yo, <laughs> if coach or if Ndando reads this uh, and it doesn't live up to his, to his expectation, yo, he's not going to see me the same way. No, I don't think, yeah. I don't think he's the type of person that can have my book. Like, my okay. book cannot make it on his coffee table. Well, I like that you gave me yours same time, Jepa. <laughs> so clearly there's no imposter syndrome Cle- here. Clearly not. I think, I think yes, I did. I was very eager to give you my book um, because I also saw the potential and, and the, the opportunity for what it was, you yeah. know. So when you invited me here, I said, you know what, this is an opportunity I'm not going to sleep on. Um, what time does he need me to be there? When? How? And you were you there, know? dead on time. I was just there because I said, you know, opportunities don't always come and imposter syndrome is not going to keep me from that. For someone who has and is struggling with it, what's your advice? For someone who has and is currently struggling with it, I would say very similar to the conversations that we had earlier on today, Mm. to say it really boils down to who are you? Mm. Who are you? And and from who are you to who are you becoming? Mm -hmm. And only you can answer that question. Who are you? Who are you becoming? Okay. Who are you? Who are you becoming? And what are you going to put in, into action to make sure that that person comes alive? Mm. To make sure that that person doesn't have a premature death. I've, I've had this, this, this sentence in my mind for about a week now. I think about, yeah, I think about seven days. And sentence it, about this. It's just a phrase that's been coming to me okay. on a daily basis, and I'll share it with you. It is a phrase that says, I just keep on hearing, who pronounced you dead? Yo. I've been hearing that almost on a daily basis. <laughs> is that a voice in your head? It is, it is a voice in my that head. That means yeah. you have some scary voices. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a voice in my head. That's a vo- <laughs> who pronounced you dead? It is, but, but it's a question, so it's not directed to me. Yeah. It's it's not necessarily directed to me. It is directed to the people who have given up on their dreams. Mm. You know, and they're saying, I don't think I can do this. Wow. And if you're not doing it, you're not living, and someone has pronounced you dead and you're still alive. Because dying before dying. Dying before dying. That's exactly it, coach. But why is that a voice in your head? You don't look like you need that kind of conversation going in there. No, no, no. So so it's something that I feel that I need to pose to the next person. Oh, yeah. That I can see has accepted, um, that has accepted... They've just quit. The, yes, the results or the death certification. You know, when, you know when someone passes on, there's a death certificate. Yeah. So who gave that to you? Because you're still alive. Is there a question? I saw you pulling a mic. I thought maybe we missed the question somewhere. <laughs> Interesting. All right. So let's get to your book. Mm. It's on forgiveness. And one of the things that can hold people back is forgiveness. 
It's, I think it's a tough thing actually to get past. Mm. I think I'm not an expert on it. I didn't write a book on it. <laughs> but what is your advice when it comes? Why why do people struggle with it? First of all, why do you think people struggle with forgiveness? I'm gonna be brutal because I've been there, mm. and and I'm not saying that I'm totally out of the woods. Yeah. You know, it's a work in pro- progress. But um, I would say one of one of the real, real deep, deep, deep hidden reasons of unforgiveness is pride. Okay, it makes sense in my head, but go deep, explain. So pride basically says, "How can they do that to me? <laughs> do they know who I am? Who do they think they are?" I will show them. I will prove to them that you don't mess with me. <laughs> me. Uh, someone else, not me. So once that line of thought and that conversation goes on in your mind, forgiveness is going to be a challenge. It's going to be an impossibility. Because once you are still in your world where it's all about you, mm. right? So everything points to you. So if someone doesn't greet you in that, you know, in the manner that you, you, you prefer for them to or what you used to, you're just like, I am an, mm. and this one, why, why are they not greeting me well? Or why didn't they greet me, period? Mm. Or if someone does something and they hurt you, you, you we'll always, as human beings, we'll always say they did that to me and not, you know, this person might actually be going through something and they might not be comfortable to tell me about it. Okay. And the fact that they didn't do ABC or the fact that they did ABC, let me, let me see if I can't find out if everything's going okay with them before you become offended. Mm. Understand before offense. Mm, okay. And if you seek understanding and the understanding is still not understanding, mm. then maybe you can start entertaining offense. But even that, you sh- you're shortchanging yourself. Because even if that person had meant to hurt you, you don't have to take offense. Offense is given, but you don't have to receive it. Mm, no, I get you. What's the worst case scenario if I'm an unforgiving person? Worst case scenario? If I don't change, if I say I don't need your book, I don't need anyone's book, I don't need any podcast, I will not forgive this person. Oh, no. I mean, worst case scenario is not that bad. Your mental health will decline. <laughs> it's not that bad. You might also develop, you know, an illness. Um, a lot of cancers are associated with unforgiveness. Um, and I'm not saying everyone who has suffered from cancer mm. is someone who has had a stubborn heart or, you know, um, who struggles well, with offense. You're saying you but become prone to a lot of physical illness. You become prone to a lot of physical illness because... That, that emotion weakens your immune system. It also weakens your, your strength. If, if you think back on times when you start thinking about the past and how things didn't work out or how that person treated you, you start losing energy. Mm. You don't become vibrant. You know, I've never had a conversation with myself or with someone that, you know, that, that we were discussing a certain individual that hurt us or that hurt me and I'm, I'm expressing that and all these emotions of bitterness and resentment come and I mean I've never had a situation where after that conversation mm. I've wanted to jump up 
and go to the gym and work out and have a healthy <laughs> meal after that and, you know, come back and read my books and, you know, soar and thrive in life. Mm. Usually after those conversations, you feel drained and tired. And you're like, you know what? True. Friend or whoever you're talking to, let me just take a nap. Yeah, after this was a heavy conversation. Let me just take a nap. And chances are your whole day will be gone. Mm. So. If someone is saying, I can work on it my, on my own, is that an easy or a possibility without getting help? How honest are you to say that you are really going to work on it? Because leaning in to another source that can speak to you mm-hmm. and speak over the thoughts that have kept you in that position. Yeah. That's, that's the easiest way out. You need to have con- contradicting a contradicting dialogue mm. to what you have normalized. So if you wake up in the morning and you have a certain train of thoughts before 8 o'clock, how are you the same person with the same mind mm. without any external assistance going to now monitor those thoughts and decide that you're going to think differently? What is your, what's your basis? What's your reference? Because mm. you can't reference yourself. Because you're stuck there. All right. And then now, how do you get onto the workbook? It's a 31 day. Yes. It's a 31 day workbook. Each day has an activity that builds you up into the character of a person who can forgive. So it, yes, it does. So I call it a 31 day course. Mm -hmm. Um, I like you calling it a workbook. The Mm -hmm. workbook side of it would be the part where it is a devotional and a journal. So it has scriptures every single day, commentary, Mm -hmm. where I speak about my experiences as as well as just to encourage the person that's reading to say, let's continue walking till day two, three, four, until day 31. Mm -hmm. And the journal section is for you to hold yourself accountable to say, I read today's journal or I read today's devotional this is how I feel about it, and you write the date of your journal entry so that you can track your own progress. So so the book itself you are accountable to. So it's one of those books that if I buy, it's proper private. I have to lock it up somewhere. Oh, definitely. Because if if I'm writing that kind of stuff inside Mm -hmm. and it lands on the wrong hands, and it lands on the hands of the person that you're writing about in the book. <laughs> so, so yes, it. I, I do. I mean, there's there's a married the person couple, you're trying to forgive. The person you're trying to forgive. So the husband bought the book yeah. um, for his wife a few months ago, and uh. as we were talking, he was giving me feedback about it. And he says, "My wife has been reading this book, and she's so private about it. She doesn't want me to touch it." And I said, but I also want to read. I want to share the book with you. She said, no, it's my book. And I said, sir, <laughs> she has probably written about you in that book. There's a journal section. Of course, she's going to share the book Wasn't with you. Wasn't that dangerous advice for you to give him? Because now you've made him no, ultra curious. No, he knows why I said it. No, but, but I, I mean, it was... I'm from, trying to think if someone said that to me, I'd be ultra curious. Then start scheming, how do I lend my hands on that book? <laughs> well, fortunately, fortunately, it's they're they're very non-toxic, so I don't think he had anything or to worry about. Not that bad. No, they were not bad. They were not bad. Period. I think 
or unless you know they looked very happy they didn't they didn't share anything with me but but I think for me it was just him saying I respect my wife's privacy and remember there's certain things that women will withhold from even their partners mm. about certain feelings that they've had you know growing up or or just isolated from the marriage so mm. so so this forgiveness so the woman or the wife could have bought the book to deal with wounds childhood wounds that she wasn't ready to discuss with him as yet mm -hmm. so it's it might not necessarily point to the marriage or any errors that he's made but just things that she needs to forgive herself over or about or things that she grew up and and the scars are now showing and she's she's confronted with what she didn't really um I like pay attention to actually my next question is something that you've already said now help mm -hmm. me understand this term forgiving yourself what does it mean who needs it and what does it mean at a practical level because it it sounds like a statement that makes sense but i i struggle to wrap around to wrap my head around the practical application how do i forgive myself practically mm -hmm. what does it look like or just help me understand that term. So I think we can't pour out of an empty cup. Mm -hmm. Right? So your cup has to be full for, you, for it to overflow into the saucer or the table or whatever it is. Mm. So when you start forgiving yourself, you're filling your cup. And what it looks like is I made mistakes. Mm. I disappointed myself. I disappointed my loved ones. Mm. I think I might have disappointed God too. Mm. And um, I'm suffering from condemnation. Some of the big mm. words that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, some hectic ones. <laughs> massive, massive. So I'm, I'm struggling with condemnation. Mm. I don't feel worthy to even be in the presence of God because mm. I mean, what I've done in the past, I mean, goodness. I can't believe that was me. I can't believe I allowed myself to go into such a dark place. And and so what it looks like is saying, I just want to give myself a hug. Oh. I just want to give myself a hug, and I want to give myself that soft pat on the back to say, you did what you did because you didn't think there was another way of doing it. You didn't know better. You didn't know better. And... You know, you might have been victimized. Or even if you knew better, life goes on and... Life goes on and decisions are made and... Second chances. Second chances are provided. So you, you have to... So, so forgiving yourself is basically saying, I'm going to provide grace to myself. Okay. Or I'm going to receive the grace that God has given me. You use that word a lot. I don't. Grace... I, 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 do you know why? I think because it kind of sometimes feels like an overkill. Because, but, but I, love, I love the term grace. I mean, I love what it stands for. Mm. You know, I love what it stands for because if we can really, really, really get the revelation of mm. what the grace of God represents and receive it mm. and receive that grace and not feel unworthy of it and not feel like we have to deserve it, 
we have to be perfect people we have to and just take it as a free gift and run with it i think we would we would be better entrepreneurs Better moms, <laughs> better dads. I think I'll close on that. There's a question. Yes. You have a question. I believe it's on Facebook, but I'll let Untando ask it's a deep one. Brace yourself. Uh, <laughs> since we're already talking about devotions, uh, I was yeah. doing a devotion today, and it kind of like spoke about grace. And mm-hmm. um, the Apostle Paul says, "May God, our Father." It starts with God, our Father. Mm-hmm. Just look at the respective of text. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Mm. So I believe the reason why it was respected yeah. on God, on grace, God the Father on grace, and then Jesus on peace. I just mm. wanted to add that. On nice that. addition. Yeah. That is so deep. What's the question? There's so a question on Facebook. We have a question from Obab Masugu, Suguland. He's asking, can we avoid divorce by forgiving a cheating partner? Can we avoid divorce by <laughs> forgiving a cheating partner? Can I respond? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's straight that's, up for you. I am up. not touching that. <laughs> and this is Ubaba U? Masuko. Masuko. Babu Masuko, I hope he's listening. Yeah, yeah definitely is. So the answer to that question is absolutely. No doubt. Mm. No doubt. Absolutely. What does that look like, though? Because it's not like the pain goes away. So the interesting thing is... Or at least in the immediate moment. Not in the immediate moment. Mm. So the interesting thing about this book, about The Forgiving Woman, Mm. is I've had two testimonies of women who have been on the brink of filing for divorce and decided to read the book first. Unprovoked. I (laughs) I, I did not seek them out. They felt led to come to me to say, listen. And they spoke to me. And they said, listen, this is what I've been through. And I don't think I want to do this anymore. And they said they said everything they needed to say. And I said to them, I'm not an expert in this. No? Mm. So this is this is but I I know that God can restore anything. God can restore anything, but we have to play our role. And I've given the book to one lady and I said, Sis, please just read the book for thirty one days. Hear what your God has to say to you and then make the decision. On the third day of her reading the book, Day number three, she sent me a text message. She said, sis, I'm so afraid. I'm Mm. reading this book and it is touching my soul. God is speaking to me through each page. Mm. And this weight has been lifted off my shoulders. My perspective towards my husband and other family members has changed. And I'm telling you, she stayed in her marriage. What are the, some, of, what are some of the things that you're taking it through? And I'm curious, though, if she got this breakthrough in three days, I imagine she didn't do the work one day at a time. No. So there's some people who, depending on the urgency, their sense of urgency to, to really get this, you know, mm. they have read the book nonstop, as in I'm reading five chapters a day. I, I want this. Like, I want to see what this is about. Mm. And I allow them. I mean, it's your book. It's, you can use it whichever way you feel that you need to. So someone who hasn't read the book, like Uba Masu, mm. and is still asking this question. Yes. Maybe for someone in the audience as well. If I forgive, what does forgiveness look like, like? And how will you help me? Or, uh, uh, what do I have to know? 
yes. to be able to forgive in a situation like this? So I'm just gonna speak. I'm just gonna speak from my heart. Hmm. Forgiveness of a cheating spouse, specifically, is. I love this person. They've hurt me. Um, I didn't expect that they would do this. I was doing my best, you know, to try to provide for them or to show them that I love them, you know. But I've I've made this vow. And there was something about this person when I saw them and I saw a life with them. My ego has been bruised. And I think my ego is what I need to really deal with now to say, how did that make me feel as a man to know that my wife has cheated on me? Oh, fine, so we, we walk through that. Number two, I don't want to lean on my own understanding. I want to pray about it and say, God, show me my wife's heart. Show me what led her to go out of our marital mm -hmm. you know, confinement or our marital um, institution and find comfort in somebody else. There are blind spots that I might have that I have not confronted. I'm not saying you're taking the blame for someone else's actions, mm -hmm. but you're saying we have both contributed, possibly, to what has happened. And you need wisdom to understand what's really going on. I need wisdom, and I'm not going to get it from her friends, my wife's friends. I'm not going to get it from her sisters. I can only get it from the one who created her. And I'm going to pray to say, God, reveal this woman to me. What has led this to happen under my watch? Mm -hmm. And as God reveals that, we come to the pride. You have to approach that situation with humility to say that even if she were to point out a defect in me, I'm not going to say as a husband, ah, 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 you can't, Galoko Sisi. You've done this, and now you're pointing out, bam, and I don't take out the garbage. And, you know, in the mornings, and I didn't wash your car, I didn't service your car. That means you must go and cheat on me. Mm. Take whatever she is telling you, especially if it's from a place of honesty. Involve Christ in it. And say, Jesus, you take the center. We are seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness before our own selfish needs as human beings. Where I need my ego to be stroked. Mm. I need to feel like I'm doing a great job. I don't need to be cheated on. I work too hard in this family. Can I extend it? Yes, you And may. I love your answer. It's quite deep. It's sending me places in my head, but it, it's quite deep. What if then he extends it and says, this is happening over and over again. Like, it's a repeat cycle. It's not a one-time thing. So if it's a repeat cycle, and then we we ask, about how many times are we meant to forgive? Ne? <laughs> but we now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we're going there. But remember, when we're doing the work, the repetition, the repetitious cycle has to end. Because once something is exposed, the true, true, true root of cheating, because cheating has roots. We just look at the surface of it to say, he kissed another woman, or he slept with another woman. It's, 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 it's not about the sex. It's there's something deeper, 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 deeper. Now when that is exposed, 
and those roots are cut off or those roots are, are destroyed because of the exposure and the method that is taken to say, this is what we're going to put into place to ensure that this will not happen again. Do you have examples of these roots? One or two? I think roots, roots, roots could be, let's say the man comes from a polygamous family, mm. right? And even if he is not, uh, even if he didn't think that he had it in him, those generational attachments, which can also be very spiritual, mm. lead him to go there. Even if it's not where he wants to be, he loves his wife. Mm. But there's a force stronger than him that just keeps on pulling him to numerous women, multiple women. And I mean, when he's done with them, he's just like, why am, why am I even with this person? I want to be with my wife. But does the wife know that? She's finding SMSs on your phone. She's not going to be thinking, oh, my husband, it's generational. Because that is generational, spiritual. <laughs> and okay. yeah, oh, baby, these women are texting you and they, they're giving you funny pictures. Um, yes. No, let's pray about it. Let's pray about it, my love. Let's break this generational thing that's, that's you know, that's oppressing I wish, you. I wish we could go further, <laughs> but we're out of time. <laughs> the hour um, is gone. We have another question. From yeah. and he's saying, where can I find this book? <laughs> That's where I was where going. Can I find Thank it? you for the question, Babamasuku. So he was listening to you. So he definitely was listening. Mm. Masuku, um, the book is available. I think you will say where we find the book. Yes. What we'll also do is type on Facebook Live, we'll type on the chat. Yes, we will. Just your numbers. We will. Go ahead. Um, my details. Um, so I think if... Ubabu Masuku could send me a, a direct message either on Facebook mm -hmm. um, or on Instagram. We could have a conversation and I could courier the book to him mm -hmm. um, if he's around South Africa. Or anyone who wants. Mm -hmm. Or anyone who wants. Um, I do have copies with me and also Amazon. So it's, it's on Amazon. It's with me. And if he is around Sunning Hill, it's at the Sunning Hill Village Spa. And it's also at Ribbleville in Waterfall Corner. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, but if he was The name to, of the book and your handles? The name of the book is The Forgiving Woman. And the handles are Grace Moshesh, G-R-A-C-E-M-O-S-H-E-S-H. -E -E and that is on Instagram. And on Facebook, my Facebook page is Grace, G-R-A-C-E. And my surname is Moshesh, M-O-S-H-E-S-H. And number? Is there a number that they call for the book or you I just use so yeah, so the there's social no, handles? I use the social handles. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for adding so much value. Love the journey that you're on. We'll have you back at some point. You can see people are not done. I'm certainly not done. And if you're joining us, see you next week sometime on Mind Your Business. Thank you and have a great 2024 ahead thank you so much for having me this was amazing thank you this is hope live radio shaping minds for a better future